<laughs> should have put that uh, on actually. I should have like no, bloop, 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 no. We bloop. should not have put that on. We should not have put that on. And uh, yeah. yeah, what a wonderful way to welcome <laughs> this podcast, a furry podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we probably need to um, feedback from last time and next time. Probably need to get better at introducing ourselves. I am co-editor Andrew Cole, Sportscast Safari, joined by co-editor Luke Jaxa, for those that don't know us. Oh, hang on, I thought we were doing this more formally. My name is Luke Aaron Jaxa. Nah, you can be formal. I'm oh, just okay. going to be formal. <laughs> <laughs> It's a Friday, man. It's a Friday. It is a Friday. I no need for formality. <laughs> it kind of feels like tomorrow is Friday, but because we're all messed up again this week. Well, yeah, speaking of messed up, yeah. I think um, for those on audio only, it's probably going to be a little bit tricky. You're not going to get it. But we're wearing matching jumpers, and it's a mm. bit awkward. Mm. At least they're our matching jumpers, but still, <laughs> it's a bit awkward. We're, in, we're, we're in uniform. It's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> so, you know, uh, could be worse. You could be wearing name badges as well or something. That, that could oh, be even worse. Can we get one of those, um, you know, those old American-style embroidered ones, like Chuck or Fred or something on there? Yeah. yeah yeah anyway but they're really uncomfortable shirts yes like those shirts like the short sleeve kind of shirty things are a bit bit ugh. it's a funny story i, like I can't remember where i was it was in the uk speaking of those those that real american workwear i reckon it was somewhere in london somewhere in deepest depths of hipster london as you would expect <laughs> and there was not just a vintage shop there was a shop specializing in selling vintage american workwear and it was wow. this shop and it was full of yeah like workshop mechanic shirts with wow. names it was like all like dickies and, 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 and stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that was all that had whole shop anyway those um those shirts probably outlast most people, I reckon. I think so. Yeah. But that's why they're they're, they're still for sale today, I guess. So and um yeah, so yeah. I mean these if you want to look like us, these these uh sweaters are available in the sports car safari shop. <laughs> but that's not why we wore them. That's of course not why we wore Well, them. I was wearing them because I was out doing magazine stuff today, which was exciting. Mm. This is a good way of saying that issue four is in existence, printed, bound, stapled, mm. delivered, in mm. stock. Tell us mm. about it, Luke. Well, I'm just exhausted from the whole thing, really. <laughs> but it's all good. Um, yeah, we uh, uh, had a bit of a deadline change with the magazine. Um, damn you, COVID. Yeah, damn you, COVID. So um, issue four is going out to all the uh, entrants in the Adelaide rally because we have... Uh, I think we've said before we're sponsoring a stage in the rally. Um, and part of that is we're giving the magazine out to everyone, which is really, really cool because hopefully it will get it into the hands of some obvious car people who yeah. might not have heard about it or seen about it before because mm -hmm. um, we're not exactly advertising in bus shelters. Um, <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, the, uh, with COVID, basically the rally's doing move to all online um based uh drivers Stop. briefing documentation and, yeah. and everything like that so usual th things for these type of events is mm. uh, everyone heads up to the arca bar the good old grab a granny and um you sounded so aussie then yeah grab oh i'll grab put it on granny. <laughs> by a maggie boy <laughs> um and sweepy boy sweepy boy uh mm. and uh we yeah, usually uh, the, all the comp and 
tour and main tour guys end up there. Um, you know, a day or two before the event, isn't it? Or the night before? Mm. Night before, before the event. Before. Um, and yeah. usually the week of the event, uh, all the dealerships have their um, their uh, briefing events as well. So there's usually mm. big packets of people. And so we were banking on that when we were doing all our timelines with the magazine and everything. And then uh, before you know it, Tim called us up and said, oh, guys, you're like a week and a half. We've we got to get into the magazine. And we're like, ah. <laughs> so um, basically, yeah, poor Ivor. I feel sorry for him uh, this weekend. Ivor well, the, yeah. the organizer. Yeah, on the so he's, the he's, he's yeah. on the ground of the rally uh, this year, you know, organizing the majority of it. And he's uh, putting together 404 um, boxes full of, Information, oh. documentation, goodies, oh. sponsors, things, hats, stickers, Sports magazines, sports cars, <laughs> magazines. Um, so yeah, it was pretty much, in, and then you know, from next week, the competitors can go pick them up. So we uh, we yeah. were pushed for time, which which were amazingly like, uh, yeah, amazingly, we got it all together and, and got it out, which is cool. I think this whole COVID thing is there's going to be a lot of stuff that we have been forced to adapt and change to, and we're just not going to go back to the old way. Like I did a track day a few weeks ago and, um, you know, all the briefing was online. And mm. do you remember the old days of going to a track day and you'd have to get there an hour early <laughs> to stand in the wind and listen to a driver's briefing, which you've heard 900 times before and just, man, it was so tedious and everyone's on their phone and no one really cares. And it's just so tedious. And I did this track day, MSV at Snetterton. And yeah, it was actually really good that the MSV, I'm sorry, MSV Motorsport Vision are an operator of tracks in the UK. They've got six or seven sort of tracks. But yeah, they've got this port portal where you have to log on in the 24 hours prior to the event. So basically the night before. Hmm. And then you go through and it's a tiered sort of stage online briefing and they time to make sure that you've like looked at every step and stage. And, and, and yeah, it was just such a good, clear, easy, fast way of doing it and i can't see the a return to the old school driver's briefings afterwards like yeah, yeah well i mean I've, we like <laughs> like day jobs for me in it so there's quite a lot of training that's done online for us and um yeah that training is i guess done in a similar fashion where they you know essentially force you through the steps you can't skip them as much as you try sometimes <laughs> there are ways um, there are ways I can yeah so, sometimes you can but uh some we, we've, we've found huh? a way around it <laughs> what you do but you did do the briefing you took little, you took little boxes yeah so i was on my own see, see when you're in an office and you've got those online training things what you do is you you get you know if you've got four or five people you get one person to take one for the team and write down the correct answers and then the next person goes through <laughs> and goes a b d e and you can get through in about a minute so anyway <laughs> did say that didn't hear that from andrew <laughs> i'm actually going to because uh, uh, the box that I opened that had some in, um, I gave to Ivor because when I rocked up, he said there's uh, I needed more than 800 So because there was a few more competitors. So he, so. he has them. He's the first man in the world to have these magazines. Uh, I don't even... Let me think. Yeah, Ivor would have been the first person outside yeah. of um, outside of me getting them. I'm sure a few of the guys, a few of the boys, by the sounds of it, at uh, Open Book Howden. Um, yeah. Would it would have had a few? There was a, there's a couple of car nuts there, so yeah, there was a, there was a yeah there was a yeah, there was a couple of interesting cars. There was a MX5 with some wheels and stuff like that, like an MB mm -hmm. that was in the car park in the in mm -hmm. the workers' car park and stuff. So yeah, there's a couple of car guys there, because this maybe. is always the way. Now, so so we thought we'd do this live on the um 
on the podcast. I've not actually seen the magazine before because how it basically happens is it's printed in, in Adelaide in South Australia. I'm obviously here in Cambridge in the UK and this happens every bloody time that everyone back home gets the magazine and reads it and has read it before I even see it. And then my express copy sort of turns up in the post about a week later and I'm all excited about it going, wow, have you seen this? And by this point, it's, it's old news. Everyone has seen it by now. So everyone's <laughs> going, when's the next issue? <laughs> when's the next issue? Well, I haven't even seen this issue yet. Come on, guys. So well, anyway. Actually, now, if you are part. on audio well, and even video, you can't even you can't even – smell a vision or smell a sound would be good because the smell of a freshly printed box of magazines oh, is amazing. It is. We're not weird. Not weird. The Don't ruffled have... sound of the pages through your hands. Oh, look at that. Look at that. I'm really happy with how it turned out, actually. Um, so we have on the cover Ferrari F40 Michelotto GT. Yeah. Last minute choice. Nice good. good one. Hmm. Um, there's some really cool things. I mean, one of the big things that I think really helped us through, which was really, really good, is um, the guys that advertised with us in terms of getting information back to us and getting approvals back to us <laughs> because we didn't really leave much time for them, which was hard. Especially so, shout out to John at Driven Motorsport. Yeah, yeah. poor John. <laughs> Thank well, you, John. To, uh, thank you, John. He uh, he had his graphic designer working to a deadline and then we had to kind of email him and be those guys and said, yeah, the deadline's now kind of 10 days shorter or 12 days shorter than it was. <laughs> and a bit like, yeah, uh, sorry. To be fair, to his credit, he's like, I've given our designer a date. I don't know. And the designer, I don't know who the designer was, but did manage to turn that yeah. around and get it. Shout so, out yeah. to them. Thank you. Very well done. Um, yeah, because we we've got some really cool people supporting us in this issue, which is really cool. Um, we've got uh, Adelaide uh, Carl Von Sanden, from, who's got Adelaide Tarmac Pace Notes now, which mm -hmm. is pretty cool. Um, so he's advertised with us. We've got Beck's Bakehouse, Port Nolunga, Dan Beck, who's another Tarmac Rally Nutter, um, yeah. who's Carl's supported us, which is really cool. Yeah, it was actually mm. interesting. I guess I, I never really understood about Cars on the Coast, I knew that, um, you know, Dan had been supportive of it, obviously, because his business, Beck's Bakehouse at Port Nolunga, is right there. Mm. Um, but I guess having a business like that, it's really interesting to hear Dan speak about the importance of community and bring people together, which is, mm. I think, something sometimes you forget about with things like that. Like, mm. And I guess it happens more with um, food businesses than anything else. Um but, yeah, just, like, talking about him wanting to kind of get people in and even he so, seems to be so passionate about Port Nolunga as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a lovely part of the world. It's a lovely part of Adelaide, but it's a bit, you know, it's a bit off the beaten track as such for most people. I think it's it's one of those places that if you don't live near it, you kind of, it's not really a destination you think about. And I guess mm. that's what Dan's trying to change is trying to get more people. And I must admit, just being perfectly honest, I've not spent a lot of time at Port Nolonga before. And then, you know, once Dan came aboard and we were kind of chatting to him and I did some some research into Port Nolonga and I discovered there's a massive reef off Port Nolonga, which is great for snorkeling. And, <laughs> and I left that thinking, like, I need to go there. Like, really cool. And then actually, actually, I um I found I yeah, the deep dark the web, I found this this 
British expat forum about expat Brits living in Adelaide right. and they were giving reviews of Port Nalunga and they were sort of saying how they'd moved from sort of grey and dreary England and they'd moved to Port Nalunga and they've got a beach for snorkeling in the hills and like this and cafes and restaurants and it's just the best place in the world and they never want to go back and I was like actually that's all very valid points. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So that was that was really cool to see and you know have him on board, which is really cool. I've always loved Dan's cars and you know I've been to Cars and Coast a couple of times and it's always been a, a good, fun Cars and Coffee event. Um, and I guess having a bakery there is also pretty handy as well. Yeah. Um, and then we've got sorry, need to get down to the next one. Yeah, we do. I've actually got a uh, Dan said he wants some more magazines down at the, at the shop, which is cool. Cool. Which we really appreciate Dan. Uh, putting them out there, which is awesome. Um, and then the other ones we've got in there is we've got Blackbird IT, um, which is pretty cool. They've come on board. They're doing the spirit tour. The owners of the business are doing the spirit tour for that, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one we've got, which is he's been a great supporter of us for a little while, is um, Adelaide Hills Toyota. So day one. From day Absolutely. one. Tom, Tom was a good supporter back in the Burger Meat days. Of, uh, he was. Right, that event. He was always the title sponsor for that. So, um, great well, that was when that. we first kind of went, you know, when you came up with the idea of doing a poster and things like mm. that. And we're like, how are we going to pay to get a poster printed? How are we going to pay to get money printed? Yeah. Things cost money. And then it was um, Tom came to the party for that, which is pretty cool. And, yeah, so he's he's got a beautiful ad on the back cover that has got the Supra and the new GR Yaris, which looks pretty sweet. I really want to go in that GR Yaris. I'm just on the wrong side of the world for Tom. You are. To... <laughs> but uh, apparently yeah. Tom's getting one next next month, isn't he? Or this month? Yeah, November. No, I think you, next month. I think you can. He's already said you can go have a go in it. Uh, so, uh, yeah. so I got to say, actually, happening. shout out to Adelaide who was Toyota for those in South Australia. I like. Mm. We have a lot of car dealer mates, so this is obviously I'm I'm not saying this, but there are some car dealers out there, you know. But the guys up at AHT at Adelaide are not like that at all. They are real honest, good country folk who yep. like cool cars and mm-hmm. yeah. I know my, my folks have bought a couple of cars off them and yeah, they're always always great. So yeah, would yeah. recommend. And no, um, not just and- support us. Would recommend even if they didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, would recommend even if they don't support us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean like um again same thing i've had lots of friends who have bought cars from there i knew know a couple of the guys that work there as well and i mean even tom himself is just a passionate car nut who loves people and you know just happens to be the business of selling cars so funny um, funny story can i can i tell a quick story about tom and this is his trust in and is this I'm is gonna... this you back in the day little andrew yeah no yeah. no no, no. So, when i was i've known tom, known tom and the gilbert family for a long time and um and yeah, I reckon I was 16 or 17. And so they've been motor dealers, like car dealers in, in Mount Barker in the area since the 1920s, like their family business goes goes right back. Mm. And um, and they have, it's very cool. They don't get it out that often. Tom, Tom needs to, but Tom does get it out. They've got a 1928 Buick that they actually sold new in 1928. And um, it sort of, yeah, it's in quite original condition. It was passed around through a few owners in the LA Hills and they tracked it down and bought it back in the 90s, I reckon. They've they've had this Buick for a long time and it's kind of in the family collection. And Tom, um, I remember, chucked me the keys once and we went for a drive and he let me drive it. And I've never driven a vintage car before. And it's <laughs> very different. And we took it out in the country and then coming back in, in um, it was like 5 p.m. in the Barker and traffic and brakes in 
20s cars really don't work and it's a very <laughs> drive coming through traffic and people pulling mm. out and you're on the brakes and they don't do much and tom's just chill in the passenger seat going no you got this you'll be fine and i'm just like oh. <laughs> yeah we <Good> st- <laughs> trying to steer yeah funny, actually actually it's amazing how much mount barker's grown i went um uh, my mother-in-law and father-in-law live in strathalbum where we used to live and mm-hmm. even from when we were there three and a bit years ago to now like the uh, amazing amount of growth there is crazy yeah. like we went down there it was like i don't know 10 o'clock in the morning it was like peak hour down there it was crazy I feel like man, isn't mount barker the fastest growing area in australia i think so something ridiculous like that. It's, well yeah. it's definitely in south australia i don't know about australia because there's some pretty crazy stuff happening in new south wales but um mm. i feel like it's up there anyway. it's up there it's, it's a very fast growing region um mm. like that little section between adelaide and wisto like there's yeah. just houses galore there like just unbelievable um it definitely isn't the the you know the country country that it used to be nah i mean they're getting a you know they're getting a actually on the runs you know putting up a big big place up there too so mm-hmm. it's kind of become a bit of a hub now i remember when you used to live at strathalba now the other side of mount barker and yeah. leaving mount barker where there's all houses now but they had those three roundabouts where they'd put and basically you could apex each of them and i don't know who built this road but they basically built this sort of six s bend just left right left right and you could sit at about i don't know what speed you could sit at but i'm not going to say what speed you could sit at but you could sit at a considerable speed <laughs> you, could do double the, you could do double the posted no problem <laughs> and just bang 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 bang. it was great it's like a slalom it's awesome yeah. anyway but that's mm. pretty busy now. But that's all houses now. So yeah, it's all houses, mm. and it's pretty busy. So like one of those, mm. with the road up near Wisto now. There's quite a busy bakery up at Wisto, and then that road leads but to the back of a whole heap mm-hmm. of other developments. So it's, it's gone pretty crazy. Anyway, um, and big shout out to Blackbird too, because um, Ben, who's one of the directors of the business, came up with a pretty cool ad. I thought it was pretty cool. Anyway, it, it did like. An Eton Center thing, which is pretty sick. <laughs> That's very cool. Yeah. That's very cool. So as like, soon as I saw that ad, I went, Yep. Yeah. I was chatting, <laughs> I was chatting with um Pete, who's the 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 marketing uh marketing manager of Blackbird, and we were just throwing around ideas and we're like, oh well, you know, why don't we do like he's like, Oh, why don't we do like a motorsport quote? I'm like, why don't we do a center quote? Like center's got some pretty cool quotes. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. And then Ben came up with the whole concept of everything. So, and then Senna has the sort of the color scheme to go with it, the Brazilian, you know, the the yellow, the yellow, black, yeah, and green yeah, kind yeah. Of color scheme. So, yeah, yeah, yeah very came cool. Came really well. Came up. Really I'm well. actually, you know, one of the I'm 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 pleased because one of the 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 belt, I guess, that the, the lines we tread with SCS is obviously we have a need for income to kind of pay for it, but also we don't want to sell out and just put these sort of crusty, crappy ads in. And we were mm. very lucky this issue that all of the ads that came in actually are very aesthetically pleasing ads, which well, is what we want to want to strive to do. And we want yeah. to work with people. So. I mean, and part of it too that I you know kind of enjoyed it's a bit more work, but it was good is is I guess mm. being a part of the design of a couple of them as well, which is mm. really handy. Um, mm. And even I think it was Ben and I were working on the ad for the Blackbird one at like 11, 11.30, I think, on Sunday night when we had to have the final the final copy to the, the printer's first thing Monday morning. So, Last-minute motorsports. <laughs> Last-minute motorsports. <laughs> motorsports. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, 
yeah, big thank you to all the guys who advertised with us and uh, got yeah got everything back to us so quickly because it was even a struggle for us. I mean, we were even just trying to get the stories finalised was was a, was a bit of a push and a bit of hard work, um, very last minute type stuff. But it worked out really well. Mm. Um, shop might close Volvo on Saturday if people looking at yep. the Instagram feed. That was pretty cool. That's going to be yep. an interesting little car. Yeah, it's um. 240 you know obviously we don't want to give too much away the stories in the bag but two, 240 no sorry two, i learned a lot about volvo's <laughs> before too yeah Firstly, yeah it turns so, out the 240s were the so group gordon a will cars. get upset with you <laughs> the 240s were the group a race cars and the 242 oh. was the two-door coupe road car because the two used for two doors and the 240 is the sedan is it but it must have been a but naming they- structure they admit uh, adopted but the race cars are 240s yeah, I don't know. I'm confused. But I was looking one. around and there was like two four twos with like round headlights too. So I don't know. Are they the earlier ones or these are the later ones? I think that they could almost be the American spec. Yeah, I don't no, know. there's Australia. There's like ones for sale in Australia, oh. right-hand drive ones. But Mike said his car was a 1979 build. It was a 79 chassis. Hmm. Yeah. Don't know. I don't know. I'm not a Volvo now. Anyway. If you listen to this, don't be angry at us. <laughs> But yeah, it's cool. Dude, the turbo is so big for that thing. <laughs> Did you say think that when you're looking through the pictures? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, big. the thing, so you see, obviously, because Luke Luke wrote the story and was took the photo, so I kind of didn't see, it, and I was sort of proofing it. When you look at the photos, the the engine is a long way back up under the firewall, whereas the turbo is a long way forward. Now I remember Mike saying he had to clear the steering column. Yeah, and, oh, not, and the not, turbo yeah, is mounted yeah, high. Not, not just that steering column and brake booster on that side too. That's the other uh, thing. So like. Basically, because like a few Euro cars that, um, you know, like Italian stuff that I've got, mm. um, the, they keep the brake booster and master on the left-hand side and basically have like a, yeah. a rod going through, you know, like a lever rod attachment to go through the other side. Mm-hmm. So they don't really need to change much in the engine bay. But yeah, like, um, I mean, even my 124, that's got the master and the booster in the same spot, which of course, for the right-hand drive cars, sits over the exhaust. Of course. <laughs> Which Good. is perfect. Same as, like, you know, a lot of the um, 105 Alphas and Alfetta GTVs and, you know, all that line of cars. Mm. Um, they had those as well. I mean, uh, and, but, yeah, and I guess the same thing with this Volvo, brake master yeah. booster and turbo in the way. Because, yeah, he was saying, interestingly, that the, uh, the turbo sits, like, tucked away in, like, the Group A cars. And all the group mm. eight cars, and he said this to me. I went and had a Google afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Left hand drive. Yeah. So they didn't have that problem. So they didn't have the problem. Yeah. Because mm. his turbo, it's almost like it's behind the headlight. Like it's it's a long mm-hmm. way forward. It's not just mm-hmm. high; it's forward, mm-hmm. which I found really interesting. Well, that. yeah, and that's got implications um, for like intercoolers mm. and radiators and stuff like that. Mm. But, um, just really weird because it, it looks like there's a lot of space there. Like it looked like it's quite a quite a small engine and quite a big engine base that looked like there was a lot of space just mm. from what I saw. Mm. But, so um, the really interesting thing that mm. like, we didn't really, I didn't really take photos of because it was boring but interesting to me is you know, in mm. the story Mike talks about the age of the engine and things like that. But like seeing the the original paint on the block and everything like hadn't been touched and it's like a little bit rusty cracky and yeah how, how just, like, done, original like, as three, anything. 300,000 kilometers or 310 like i think or something like you know, <laughs> barely run in for a volvo amazing 
unbelievable Amazing. I guess stick a turbo on it and go your harness yeah so boost and see what happens yeah that was cool and again that mm. was a yeah thanks to Mike for um allowing us to do that so last minute too that was like a yeah oh crap when are we going to do this oh Saturday morning and then you know <laughs> madly edit get the story up and have it all done by Sunday along with everything else mm-hmm. in the make too which is cool but yeah pretty proud of this one again this is we're pretty happy with it um and I, I guess the timeline I saw as well helped us get some of the Goodwood stuff in which was nice mm, um, that was good Goodwood I did edit we did the final proof, not that anyone, you know, but just, just for a bit of background, <laughs> the final proof of this magazine was done at Silverstone Circuit, sitting in <laughs> the wing, watching um, the, uh, it was a bit of a, you know, the time obviously with compressed timelines, it kind of caught us on the hop and I was up at Silverstone, um, our friend Julian Carr had organised, yeah, luckily got us to, to sort of cover it. And um, yeah, and sort of was sort of messaging. What event was that Luke, one up there? It was really interesting. So, oh, hang on, no, maybe right. finish off, finish off. Yeah, the, well, the yeah, other line. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so we're there in the pits, and I'm shooting, and then we kind of we needed to be at print first thing Monday morning Adelaide time or Australia time, which mm. is kind of Sunday mid early mid afternoon our time. Yep. So we kind of had to do the final sign off, so Luke could you know make any changes to the design before it went to print on Monday morning, before he, so he could at least get some sleep. <laughs> and um, yeah, so when the final artwork came through got the laptop up into the um, obviously media center and everything's closed due to COVID, but they've got this, um, it's the, the floor space is ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's, it is, you know, you can't help you stand there and it is the prime place in a formula one race. It, it's the bit where, you know, I don't know, Bernie Eccleston and, and, and all of the, you know, like the, the top tier is watching the Grand Prix from it's right behind the podium. Like it's, mm. it's that complex, but yeah, there's this little cafe in it and so much space and they've, they've got these tables. So I set up on a table, had a window looking down on pit lane in the main street <laughs> and um, watching, yeah, like uh, Cobras and um, E-types and Aston's DBs, you know, racing this three hour while I was sort of proofing, proofing sports car <laughs> safari there. <laughs> this, it was pretty cool. Should have done that. Should have done that in the uh, in like the footnotes of the contents. Should have done that. <laughs> proofed in Silverstone, UK. If you find any <laughs> errors in this magazine, it was proofed in the presence of an AC Cobra, and I might have been distracted. So. <laughs> <laughs> might have been looking the other way. Um, yeah, yeah. That's anyway, so what was the event that was there? Because that I, I yeah, you know look. what with everything that was going on, I didn't even ask what it was. I was just like. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to go to Silverstone. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Okay, next thing. <laughs> yeah. It's actually really cool. Um, so Motor Racing Legends, uh, you know, our friend Jillian uh, works for Motor Racing Legends. She's one of the staff there. They're, they're an organizer of historic racing in the UK. And they, so they run the grid. So they run the classes. It's like, I'm trying to think. It's like, you know, V8 Supercars, where V8 Supercars will run the category and then event holders, promoters will hold events that they will attend. And okay, we'll get on to that. Don't talk to me about that. <laughs> Actually, that's a good thing to that's talk about. We, yeah, will, we, will, we will get, we will. We'll get yeah, onto yeah. that. We'll get onto that. Yeah. That was in so my anyway, little, so, yeah, that was in my head to talk yeah, about. Yeah, in the back. So yeah, so Motor Racing Legends, um, their events normally coincide with big festivals, you know, Donington Historic Festival, Supers and Classic, you know, but obviously because of COVID none of these things took place and they only had one event this year and then six weeks ago they had the idea you know with with everything sort of there was a bit of a window opening so they did a closed doors they they managed to get a booking at silverstone on a sunday which at such short notice is nigh on impossible so how they managed to swing that i don't know Mm. and um yeah and they basically threw together this one day single day race meet and that the crowning event was 
um, the three-hour, um, the RA Royal Automobile Club TT celebration, three hours for pre-1966 GT cars. Um, three-hour endurance race, couple of drivers, driver changes, the whole works. And, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. It's, it's kind of like what race, the, sort of a lot of the cars that race at Goodwood, like those mm. sort of style of, you know, Cobras and E-types. I'm in love with the, the seriously prepared E-types. Like they look they look like these sort of Series 1 E-type mm. roadsters but. and they've got the soft top, but then you stick your head in there and they've got a ca beautiful cage inside the soft top and there's a carbon tillet race seat and they've got – and they are prepared just to the – to the limit like they are just within oh gorgeous cars absolutely gorgeous um, i was i was uh obviously for, mm. for, for you know reasons um very very excited about that sprint that was there that was pretty cool yeah alfa romeo should sprint that the car actually raced it has period race history oh, raced right. in, in in a european championship in the 80s mm. but once again i mean the uh, the level of preparation in these cars is the standard is so high mm. um just the attention to detail and i mean you know front wheel drive would sprint and this thing had i think it had 10 inch wide 10 10 <laughs> on the fronts can you imagine um, how heavy the steering would be in that <laughs> oh but three so, hours oh, it'd be pretty hard nah, but with your front wheel drive and your limited slip diff just jump on the throttle and let the thing yeah. pull itself through the corners and yeah no i can't imagine Very you cool. like that would be 10 inch wide for lateral g not for acceleration oh yeah <laughs> yeah 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 pretty cool yeah. though definitely actually um, actually before yeah before we get too much further down we, the rabbit hole we can we keep talking about, about the magazine mm -hmm. um Yes. Is turn through our Adelaide 500 rants. <laughs> um, <laughs> there she is. Look at that. She is Sports Car Safari for the audio only. We have the front cover on the screen at the moment. Um, yeah, which is pretty cool. So that's up for order on the website now. Um, we just got the shop item up a couple of seconds before the podcast, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I'll probably hold off shipping that until next week. Um, so you can throw it in now, put in the purchase, and then I'll do it as a bulk thing next week. Yeah, just with everything that's going on, I can't sit Your up. Your time is valuable. <laughs> mm. Mm. Looking for shipping intern. <laughs> Gets paid in simulator time. <laughs> um, so yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Anyway, um, yeah. so I guess part of the other thing that was really cool uh from my side of the thing once we actually got the thing to print um i guess the other bit as well was just the open book cowden guys in working with the deadline as well was pretty amazing um pretty cool to see um we contacted them with not much time <laughs> and said hey can you guys do this yeah yeah sure no worries and then and then after that then it was like deadline change it's like hey can you do it in less than a week <laughs> but the funny thing i find is you know like a lot of people talk about car mechanics in this way and i think what we're learning is the same with printing shops is that it does take a while to find the right people like you know you cycle through a couple of companies with what well, this is our third different print company we've tried and others have been good and bad for various reasons and and mm. i think open book it hadn't I, I think we're quite happy with them but yeah but like it does take a lot of time to kind of find the right people that can do the job and can work yeah. with you and um yeah and you like, know, yeah, so mm. really accommodating and just were like yeah no worries we'll get that sorted um and yeah the speed of it was was 
pretty crazy. So, yeah, we got the proof to them on Monday morning. Monday afternoon, we got back the rip proof, which is like uh, basically what the printer sees when they go to do it. Uh, approved that. And then it was on the press on Tuesday night, which was pretty cool. Got yeah. to meet Stu. Stu. Yeah. Dude, yeah, the printer. <laughs> so good. So uh, I guess, yeah. So another thing that I said was like a, a, a bit last minute to to them was like, hey, can I come and look at the, you know, look at the print and take some pictures and some video and stuff like that. Mm. Plus, it's also a bit bit of a good excuse for me to get in there and have a look because, as yeah, you know, I mean, well, yeah, learn. Mm. I, this whole uh, design and colors and photos and print and the way everything behaves in its own way like you know from when you take a photo to when you edit a photo to how you edit a photo on one screen as opposed to a different screen and then how that goes to the printer and then even the interesting thing so what Stu's got there when he's working a couple of shots you can see it is he's got um he's got one sheet that's uh, a i can actually probably bring it up um he's got one sheet that's like a digital proof so they print it Mm. on a large sheet of paper yeah um and they have they got eight pages you know they got four spreads eight pages on each bit of paper Mm -hmm. and he um he's got a digital proof that's like the color correct yeah on paper digitally printed this This is is how this is what you're working to yeah um and he's got another one that's really interesting that confused like it was like this thick. It was basically digital proof, but folded in random ways, and then like elastic, you know, elastic banded together. And when you open it, it's like pops out like a pop out book. Um, <laughs> uh, as like a uh, what bit of the print goes where? Because obviously, when you're printing uh, sheets, what they match yeah. up to is makes no sense. You know, there's like one page here, one page there, and then you got to flip. And then the other thing he has to do is got to print on one side, then flip it and print on the other side and line them up and everything. So it's, pretty, it's like it's a lot of manual well, yeah, skills. Well, it's an people, art. It is an art. People think that it's just control P and let it do its thing, but it is. It's yeah, and I guess that's part yeah. of the thing why I really enjoy that part of the process too is is the mm. you know the the skill that's involved in that. Um, so yeah, it was pretty funny rocking up there, and you know the the girls met me at the front, Georgia and Margarita, which is which were very lovely, and took me in. And then I'm like this dude, and you know he's all quiet working around. I'm like, hey, I'm Luke. How you going? And he's like, oh yeah, I'm Stu. And I said, oh, you know, you, you're doing doing the magazine tonight. I'm just here taking pictures and trying not to get in your way and stuff. He's like, he, he picks up like the proof copy and he goes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This looks pretty good, but not enough Subarus in it. And I was like. <laughs> Oh, no, you're not a Subaru guy, are you? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a Subaru guy. And and then obviously being – so this was Tuesday night, so this was night shift. And um, <laughs> so there's like no cars there. There's like three or four cars there. And one of them yeah, is yeah, a, yeah. a really dark grey 2018 STI sedan with a wing and like green nice. – bright green brakes and like yeah. pretty – and very yeah. clean-looking car. And I was yeah. like – that can't be your STI. The phrase like, yeah, yeah, that's mine. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. cool. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, and, he, and I go, and you say you've been a Subaru guy for, oh, yeah, yeah, I got a GC8 as well. I'm like, oh, great, perfect. Like, nice. this is this is good. We can get on. <laughs> yeah, we can get on. So he was doing his thing and working mm-hmm. and like, um, yeah, so like when he's doing the, the proof, he's got the proof and he's printing and he's going along, mm. the whole way through the print, you pull off a sheet, 
you put it on the on the stand that, that you see in the pictures and um and then compare it to the to the digital proof mm-hmm. and so but the but the way the digital proof is compared to like our final product is very different too so yeah. um part of the thing and this is what Stu was explaining to me i guess it's a bit of the nerdy side and sorry to get a bit nerdy for you out there about printing stuff but it is it is it is cool yeah. Um, it helps you understand what's going on. So with offset printing, um, the ink actually flows into the paper more than a digital print. So like a digital print with toner, generally the, the toner and the ink sits on top of the paper, but with offset because it's more like a painty type of ink, yeah. it actually seeps into the paper and the paper absorbs it. Um, and so that has a different effect as well. So when you've got, you know, uh, a kind of, you know, matty, I guess, finished paper with ink going into it, it's going to produce a different colour again. Yeah, so yeah. managing those colours. So the things that Stu has to, uh, you know, the printer of the offset press has to manage is a piece of paper that travels quite a long way because yeah. they're big machines. Like, they're big machines. So it's got to go through, you know, it depends on the type of offset printer it is, but, mm. like, you know, could be a four color one it could be an eight color one mm-hmm. and you know so they can go for 10 meters to 20 meters even like they, they're quite big yeah, yeah. um yeah. and so that paper has to go through each roller and each bit the whole way through right it has to go the whole way through and then come out the end yeah. and so that has to be aligned the entire way so the colors have to line up perfectly because for those that don't realize no i didn't realize this as yeah. well they don't so when you your your home printer kind of prints once and it prints all of the colors and that's it they print each color separately mm-hmm. so you'll print a color run it through a different color print the other color on top of that and then at the end of it obviously you get your four eight yeah. colors pretty that, kind of that's done in that's photo. done in one run just to explain it that's done in one run so they're not doing yeah like, like there's like if you imagine you have your bubble jet you know your inkjet printer at home mm-hmm. But you have that times four in mm. in line in a row, and the piece of paper just goes through from one to the other to the other, and each one's got an individual color in there. That's how but it's just funny how how they actually literally just spoon yellow ink yeah, into yes. one of them and blue ink into the other one, and and then it and then it prints them on top of like four colors. It's pretty rad. Like it's, yeah, it's pretty actually, cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, what Stu's doing, like what Stu was doing the entire time, and you know, we're kind of chatting about how he was going, is that you know he's he's managing the alignment the alignment of the colors and the paper. And then the other bit that he's doing as well is actually managing the amount of ink on the paper. So that was the bit that, that amazes me. He's got this big panel keyboard thing that looks like, you know, massively long thing. And that's all the levels of ink on wow. all the, you know, on all the presses and it's, and it's mm-hmm. basically managing that. So to achieve a color and a, and a picture, you can put color in or you can take color out. So, you know, you can put more ink into the thing to get the color you want, but you might over ink the paper and cause and it to bleed and, and bleed and be yuck. Yep. So it's also managing not just the color, it's also managing the wow. level of ink that goes into the paper. So you're constantly doing that. And, um, yeah. it, you know, it takes, I think it takes like, I don't know, 40 or 50 even more pages to even get it. Like once you put the new plates in, Mm. And and you get the press going. Like you watch the paper come out, it's like chung 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 chung, and you see the color slowly getting better and better and better. And <laughs> at a point where the you know the ink's flown through and it's on onto the plates yeah. and everything. 
yeah, it's just unbelievable. So that was really yeah. cool. Like, yeah, like Stu was so hospitable and just lovely, and just, we just chatted. And, and we're, just, we're uh, talking just for those like the, these printing machines. We're talking a machine that's like the size of a bus, basically. Oh, uh, not yeah, not that yeah, kind of pretty big. Yeah, but like um, a large full go, drive. Go, go back on the Instagram or the Facebook and have a mm. look and see some of it. Yeah, um, but yeah, like uh, yeah, he was just so lovely just to chat to and go through and I <laughs> like he goes oh you know this is the most exciting thing I've worked on in a little while just because it's mostly diaries and you know forms and bits and pieces so that's pretty cool actually open book do some pretty cool stuff too they do like um, mm. a whole heap of beer labels for all the microbreweries and yeah, stuff yeah. Like that. they do all like the Maggie like all the Maggie beer labels and mm -hmm. a lot of school annuals and bits and pieces like books and they, they've been around for a while and they iconic do some South cool. Australian brands so oh, speaking oh, of iconic they, do the, they do the they do the calendar too for shit Adelaide so they would know in theory who is behind shit Adelaide hmm probably uh, I, I, I presume there's some form of NDA for that. Can we get Blackbird to hack into their databases and figure out who it is? Probably not. That's, that's, that's part, part of our, that's part of our breach of trust, isn't it? It's part of our sponsorship arrangement, isn't it? We get <laughs> we get three three hackings. We don't take money from them, but we get three hackings. So. <laughs> now nah, we're joking. Blackbird don't hack. <laughs> they stop people from hacking you. Correct. Um, <laughs> um, Yes. So anyway, Adelaide. while we're talking about iconic South Australian mm. things, mm. the news I woke up to, everyone sort of knocked off work to back home, I woke up to the news that the Adelaide 500 is no more. Eclipse of 500, Superloop 500, whatever you want to call it, mm. the Adelaide Street Circuit, which talking, if you think about it, this has a heritage which started in 1985 for the Australian Grand Prix, yep. 10 years of the most you know the most famous grand prix in the world we had then um asian lamar came for the 24 hours the race for a thousand years which i think a lot of people forget actually happened which was pretty yep. cool the crocodile the crocodile livery dowdy r8 you mm -hmm. know racing around best race car design ever one off for that <laughs> race yeah yeah with the with the trouts in the, as the air intake yeah, yeah. jumping out of the water it's so cool so, so yeah, we had that, and then obviously that morphed into the Adelaide 500 in 1999 um, for what was back then V8 supercars, um, which was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, like to adapt from losing the Grand Prix to the COVID state to yeah. getting you know replacing it with another event and doing that just as well and building that event up was was pretty phenomenal from you know the guys that organised it all and, mm. and the running of it because like I remember when the Grand Prix left being quite sad because we actually went mm. to the dad dad and i went to the grand prix auctions afterwards and we bought a couple of tvs that we used in the grand prix and you know really like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. imagine going to that auction today what you'd find in there what what do you mean oh like if you could go back to that auction. yeah yeah just cool stuff oh yeah it'd be nothing, awesome nothing anyway made, yeah anyway so um and then, yeah, to have that replaced by another event was, was pretty cool. But, yeah, it's a bit mm. sad to see it go. I remember the heyday. Really, I mean, look, it's we can get into why. I think the event rode the wave of growth and popularity. It was, you know, that sort of early 2000s was a very high watermark of Australian motorsport. And, you know, you had oh, the, just Australian cars too. like Australian I mean, cars. Like VTVX, VTV, Commodores, AU, BA Falcons. 
I remember we used to work as um, my dad worked and I did for a few years as pit lane officials. So we're in pit lane and like genuinely one of my favorite motorsport experiences is standing in pit lane at Clips of 500 on the Sunday of race day as the race started and you'd be there in pit lane and that, you know, 30 cars or bouncing off the rev limiter and they'd, I just, just love it. They'd hold them there on the limiter for like 20 seconds or whatever it was before <laughs> they started. And it was, the place was just shaking. And then the crowd was cheering, like, you know, all these people hundred, you know, mm. and then the flag would drop and that, yeah, it was, it was a time and place, but um, I think mismanagement, I think the world has changed as well. I think it's a bit of a bit of column A, a bit of column B. Yeah. It is sad. I think it, everyone's, let's be real, everyone's kind of known the writing's been on the wall for a few years, I think. Well, I'm surprised it didn't happen earlier. Just like uh, mm. even with losing the Clipsal sponsorship and the amount of people that they used to bring to the event too, like yeah. the first year of no Clipsal, that whole hairpin end was just, empty whereas that used yeah. that was the clips of corporate area basically where tens yeah. of thousands of tradies would come and beer up and free beer, up, beer for a whole beer, day beer up and bundy up and off they go do you uh, remember back in the just quickly back yeah. in the day you could judge if you got corporate tickets to Clipsal, but you could judge how senior you were based on what day so if you got yeah. the thursday corporate tickets you're pretty low rank but if oh, you managed no, no, that to still up to, there but mm, still up yeah, there but you like know, owner of the business not like, not like sunday you get sunday corporate tickets you know you're someone special you know <laughs> yeah but anyway yeah yeah so i think that really like hit home for me the the uh, fragile nature of that event when that was when that happened um yeah. and then even like yeah just i don't know it just it was sad seeing like on race day the half the stands empty and things like that and you know even even then when they were getting like a lot of the big bands and selling a lot of tickets for people going to the, the gigs and stuff that was great but it was just yeah. sad to see like the actual stands no empty and stuff. yeah no you know a yeah. lot of those people who bought that were going to go see whoever hilltop woods play or whatever yeah but they weren't there to see the motorsport i also got a bit frustrated like, i don't know about you you got a bit frustrated by the support events too i think yeah, I, I think there's a couple of things for that event. I think obviously the natural decline of car manufacturing, you know, the whole mm. Holden versus Ford thing just isn't yeah. what it is. And that was just a time and no one could do anything about that. I think, I mean, look, we can probably, to be fair, maybe we should do some research and try and get someone on the podcast that actually knows yeah. a lot more about this because there are other people in Adelaide that know exactly what happened. But my broad understanding of it is a few years ago, they disbanded the south australian motorsport board who were a board of very experienced motorsport people responsible for events like classic adelaide and the grand prix and you know mm -hmm. these are people that have dealt with bernie eccleston and then you know are very experienced at the top level of mm -hmm. international motorsport were kind of planning this event and they gave it to the south australian the tourism commission which nothing against the tourism commission like they've done some great work and they're brilliant people but i just they just don't didn't have that depth of of kind of the car guy thing to know what makes a good motorsport event and i think i think it did lose some mm. of the specialness after that move happened and then you know yeah. slippery yeah. slope i mean like one of the highlights of the last few years of that event was was the running of the improved production guys i mean not the last not yeah that was great that was fantastic but, the, like, but then lastly when how many views the youtube videos got and oh, all that kind of made stuff. it to jalopnik and everything yeah, you know, like, everywhere <laughs> but then last year when and but yeah some some really bizarre things like last mm. year when improved production didn't make the 
the, the category yet. The Asian R8 LMS Championship did. You go, they were paying the money to enter, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's you know, I look. This it's it's an interesting thing. I I'm like a lot of motorsport people. I'm I'm obviously very sad and devastated to see it go. Mm. Also, I kind of can see that. Let's be real. The state government in South Australia is broke. Yeah, and it is an event that doesn't fit like it with the modern world. And they're a government that's trying to push the state as a technology hub and a hub for you know aerospace technology and defense technology and you know all of this cutting edge you know green energy, wind, solar, like all of you know this and having a, a big old kind of V8 and festivals. race and festivals like the and fact festivals, that it, yeah, the fact that it clashed with fringe yeah. probably didn't help its with case. Fringe. It just, Which it was just doesn't the best square. bit of it too was like oh it was awesome I loved that I used to go to both <laughs> yeah, you, go, you yeah. go like during the day to the races and then you you yeah. get out of there at night you go across to the garden have a meal yeah. see a show off you went so there was this was beautiful really moment in the garden I used to love it I used to absolutely love it I, I did a couple of uh, a couple of summers working in the garden of Earthy Delights which is part <laughs> of the fringe and um, there was this beautiful moment when you'd have the 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 creative of the creatives the arty of the arties and i was kind of working with them and then you'd see the bit where the racing would kind of finish and then you'd get the race shirts would gradually descend into the garden have a beer and then descend back out of the garden <laughs> that was so funny watch, watch it come in oh what's this bloody stuff then but like, but just going back to my point, like I can I can see that you know an event like Formula Where's E Jack? as much as <laughs> no, we're stereotyping here. That's not everyone. Well, it, but um, it was a lot of people though. <laughs> it was a lot, a lot of people. But yeah, like I I, I do get that you know as much as I, I personally think Formula E racing is pretty boring, but I do see that an event like Formula E would have had so much more relevance to promote the state on a global platform to get international yeah. visitors to promote the high tech kind of future of motorsport which let's be real as much as i do love supercars it, it is the past of motorsport it's not the future of motorsport mm. as much as it pains me to say that it just is the way it is and so look i i, I do understand why they've made the decision I, I perfectly understand it but it's still very sad to yeah actually the worst yeah, oh, yeah, oh you yeah. go it's just gonna say um when what's his face came out on facebook the premier came out on facebook saying we're still committed to motorsport in south australia and i'm going hang in a minute you've defunded adelaide motorsport festival you've literally on the day that you've cancelled the biggest car race in australia to then also come out and say that we're still committed to supporting motorsport in south australia i'm a bit like eh, that's probably a bit poor taste but we're committed <laughs> to motorsport in south australia when it suits us and when it's far enough away from town we don't have to worry about it it's gonna say we're committed to sending motorsport out to tail and bend <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll happily so, provide public transport up to the bend for you to go and watch the race <laughs> once every hour and it'll yeah. cost you 30 dollars <laughs> like, but they will be there because we're doing it we're doing our thing yeah they need like a high-speed rail link there or something that'd work that would be bullet to the bend oh bullet to the bend, bullet to the bend. <gasps> um speaking of clip clipsal i call it clipsal mm. It's still Clipsal. Still Clipsal. It'll forever be Clipsal. Um, some mm. absolute legend. I don't know who it is, but they are legend. Plastered Anzac Highway and Marion Road with 
V <laughs> with V E Como Clipsal livery V A <laughs> the whole way down. Like, Amazing. Over <laughs> street signs over like Anzac Highway street <laughs> signs on side street signs on this like going down Anzac Highway in the home it was phenomenal. It was so good. I was like, I was like, what? What's that? Oh, it's a Clipsal sticker. Yes, someone got really angry, like, and just went to town. <laughs> you know what that reminds me of in the Simpsons. Some dude they drank a they... whole slab of Bundy and went. And then... Stuff you, state government. I'm going down Anzac Highway, and I'm. I've been saving these stickers. I've, I've been saving what? these stickers for, for ten years because this day to come. And he's just gone. Whoop. Gone you know, in The Simpsons, <laughs> when they closed the Duff Brewery and Barney's, you know, making the sole vigil at the front of the closed brewery, that reminds me of that. Like, that's <laughs> it's pretty cool, though. Uh, like, yeah, good on taken, you, sir. I'll probably get taken down, but um, good on you, and sir. Was like, there's this, uh, yeah, it was like there, there was like some bus shelter ads and stuff like that, and he'd like put in like clipsal like a clips will stick it over the eyes and stuff like that. <laughs> Good on you, sir. Good on yep. you. Yeah. Yep. He's, he's fantastic. Because he is. I mean, oh, it's actually interesting seeing um, uh, Ben Fitzsimmons like reposted something from Nick Percat and Todd yeah. Hazel stuff about like, you know, really upset because that was one of the defining events that got them really interested into being a supercars driver. Like, you know, it's one of those things mm. that, a lot of those passions for those people don't come from, you know, seeking it out. It's like, oh, well, what do you do? You know, what are you doing this weekend? Mm. Oh, everyone's going to V8s. We'll go to the V8s. And you you build that passion from there, similar to yeah. probably why a lot of, you know, people were so, like why so many Adelaide people love F1 because yeah. when you're a kid, you know, you just got taken there. Not because you're a car particularly, but it was, just, it was an event that was on and, you know, there wasn't Facebook, and, there wasn't YouTube. It just kind of went and, and off you go. And it was the one where it was the event where even if you – it was the one car race you'd go to every year. Like if you weren't super, super mm -hmm. into it and you weren't going out to Malala every third weekend and you weren't <laughs> really into it. But like if you just had – like if you or your dad or your mum or your family had even just a passing interest in motorsport – You'd yeah. go to that for one day of the the year, and that was yeah. all you saw for the year. But like that was the yeah. Plus, I, I think, think the other side of it too is like having it. Like nothing beats having motorsport in the CBD. Like just nah. being able to get nah. there, find a park, do public transport, whatever. Mm. Just everything comes back to there yeah. anyway. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, I think for me it was it was Nations Cup. That was the big one for me. Uh, it was watching, you know, the early days of Nations Cup and, you know, and they'd have the Friday night, the race into darkness and you'd have, you know, the 360 challenges and the 996 GT3s of which we now know some people that have actually acquired <laughs> some of those cars that race there at that time, you know. But, but yeah, like, and, and this was a time, do you remember, like, the cars we got to see back this as again this is we're sounding like a bunch of old farts talking about stuff but pre pre youtube stuff it's like you know when alan dearly departed you know alan simonson mm -hmm. drove the coopers coopers put some money behind him and got the 550 gtc out and i mean that's something that you'd never see this side of lamar and i mean that was on the streets i remember the noise of that as like a 12 year old 13 year old kid hearing this v12 pro drive built 550 screaming down the back straight going like what the hell is that this is you know and that's to be fair, that's probably where a lot of my love of, you know, early to mid 2000s GT cars come from is, is, 
you know, I mean, Brenton Grigol with his 360 challenge that's still, you know, street registered in, and that car raced in period with Prancing Horse Racing. I used to go and stand at the pits and watch them and you had all the Lamborghinis, yep. the Diablos, Jurek sponsored Diablo with Paul Stokel <laughs> in it, big Vipers. <laughs> oh, man, like that was the, that yep. was an era. That yep. was an era. But, yeah, mm. so, um, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I guess the real – Motorsport nutters will, will continue to trek out places to go and see it. I, I just don't think there will mm. be as much, I guess, com- general community involvement in the event because no. it will be a lot harder. Like, you know, who's going to drive, you know, who, who doesn't really have an interest in, interest in it all the way out to the bend. I mean, even if you even, have an interest even, in it, you kind of can't. Like when I go, <laughs> oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to drive out an hour and a half to the bend or two hours to the bend. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> like, the problem I think the bend the bend has, and I'm willing to be corrected on this because I haven't, you know, I kind of moved away about the time it opened, but it, I've been there a few times. It just doesn't have much atmosphere. What's hard? Like it, it just it's it's hard to build a circuit, whereas the street circuit in the heart of the parklands and the CBD, like right there, the atmosphere was just yeah. But I feel like if you had the numbers that you had it, like if mm. what, let's say you had two hundred thousand people, right? If you had that at the bend, you get the atmosphere. Yeah, true. True. You know, like if you had thousand yeah, people, you know, you, know you have. I mean, part of that as mm. well is having the 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 other things going on, right? That are mm. not race circuit stuff that build that atmosphere yeah. as well. That you know, the the clips of five hundred did really well. There was always lots of off track mm. stuff there. Always lots of things happening, and mm. that builds that atmosphere. Um, and I guess, yeah, without having, you know, because there's so many dedicated facilities at the bend, you don't get mm. a lot of that variety, like it's stuff that you've probably seen the last time you went there. You yeah. Know? I remember Eclipse, it was probably the only time I've ever been to a motor race event, a car event with my sister. And it was because they'd come for the concerts on the night, but they'd come a bit early and we'd meet up in the afternoon and go and watch some racing and mm. then go to the concert. Like it's just, it was a family thing that, yeah, it really did get a lot of people in, involved. So it is, a, it is a shame. But I think also it's. I'm sure know, the, it's a time gone. We'll be happy that there won't be workers destroying their parklands for you half know, the year. You know, what my dad <laughs> said when we were talking about it, and he's like, he's like, I bet you the Parklands Preservation Society are going to claim this that they've won. And I was like, they had nothing to do with this, but they're going to claim it as a victory anyway. <laughs> I remember seeing them walking around the signs and complaining <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Actually, one last, if we're going to talk Adelaide Street Circuit mm. memories, was just the reaction on people's faces. And I was a kid at this point and I was still young enough. I was somehow just old enough to realize the hilariousness of this. Obviously you can't really talk about Eclipse without talking about the controversial, you know, the grid girls that <laughs> they're around. No, but, at, but the race of a thousand years, the Lamore, do you remember Luke? They had mm. grid boys mm. trying to be equal mm. and you had all these buff race fans turned up and were greeted by grid boys at the gates and their reactions were so funny. It was, this was 2000. So, like, the world's changed a lot since the year 2000. So, this was a very, like, come a long way. Pretty, pretty cool thing for them to do. But that was just, that was very funny. <laughs> These deeply uncomfortable men <laughs> being well put out of their comfort zone. <laughs> oh, I remember that. 
very funny. Very funny. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah it's, it's a bit of a hard thing. But yeah, I wonder what they're going to mm. do with all the equipment now. Sure, that surely surely Shehens are going to buy that, right? Like all the pit lane stuff and you know all that kind of gear. That pit lane has to turn up somewhere. The garages have to turn up. Well, that'd have that'd have to go to the bin. Where else is it going to go? Yeah. They could use that. I mean, they could. They've got enough land there to, like, mm. I guess, put it up as a structure. It's it's a it's a beautiful building. Like, it's an amazing building, and I'm sure you it's could put it up. 10 years, Ten years old, isn't it? It's not that old, that one. And all the grandstands and all that kind of stuff. Seating. <gasps> Need some seats for the backyard. You know, you got to think about. What if the DS will buy the seats? DS would have to buy some seats, wouldn't they? <laughs> but the economic <laughs> impact of all of the contractors, mm-hmm. you know. There were people working there for four months either side of the event to build that circuit. All of the contracting companies, the construction companies that that now don't have that work because there's lots of work going around at the moment. So I think that's a good time to anyway. (laughs) Well, yeah, and also like all the vendors that relied on it as well, like a lot of people that Mm. went there. Yeah, it was was a big thing. And again, like, yeah, contractors, trucking companies, like the the guys that would run the trucks backwards and forwards from the event. Bringing the concrete um, barriers, the forklift drivers. That would forklift drivers. Up. Like yeah. car hire companies, golf buggy hire companies, like, you know. Yeah, seriously, golf buggy hire companies. Like, the, to be fair, <laughs> the photographers or whatever, like, you know, they were media companies. Caterers? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a big thing. I like, had a comment from my from friend Guy, forget the V8s, bring back AMF. Yeah, could I, you imagine if you had like a an AMF, mm. like AMF, but done with the full circuit? <sighs> even to be fair, even AMF, but with just a, a slightly bigger budget to kind of expand the track out a bit, and and yeah, hundred percent. I must admit, I did see a thing on the um the Adelaide Motorsport Festival Facebook page this evening, um, <laughs> basically acknowledging like, yeah, we've been getting a hell of a lot of phone calls, and <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> basically, yeah, thank you, yes. <laughs> Millions of dollars, so we can do this, please. I'll be, I'll be but all AMF, over. AMF would need a shoestring of what clips are used. Like they could oh, give them yeah, five yeah, yeah. and and have a roaring event. Oh, yeah. what, what? Where would you put the track though? It's the hard bit. I I heard for AMF they were thinking of turning left up Wakefield yep. and then heading up into the city and then doing some sort of U turn and then coming back down the other side of Wakefield, so not going to the the effort of closing off the whole city but using well, what, you could do, what you could around do around Britannia you... or something dude could you imagine if you look, could loop around Britannia roundabout <laughs> oh anyway everyone gets nervous going around there <laughs> everyone, everyone lifts everyone lifts um no no no. I thought you could do like left up Wakefield right onto Hutt and then mm. come back around through the bit that they yeah. usually open up and then loop back onto the Wakefield direction. again like back onto that East cool. and onto the thing over in the back be, end that'll work that would be very cool Hmm. And you don't have to block off a small section of Hunt Street and East Terrace and, and off you go again. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of lucky all those residents there that kind of be stuff. Yeah, but like also I think with the whole massive popularity gain in classic cars and you know, look at even the beta bird were just from a pure governmental, you know, I don't know, how do they What was they... the name? Sorry, beta bird, what was the name that they gave to the, the car community? What were they calling them on the line? Citizen thing? collectors. <laughs> and i was so angry at it like like, i'm not a citizen collector i'm a car enthusiast just call me a car enthusiast like a drinking (laughs) game citizen collector drink anyway um 
Yeah, but like, but, but think about all of those people that are really into that now. And I can't look, someone will be able to correct me on, you know, how the government analyzed the effectiveness of these events. It's like on basically, Tim you know, the, the, you have a chat with Tim. it's, yeah, it's, you know, like in social media, they measure it in impressions, like, but it's, but it's based on, you know, the, are oh, the, basically the, the sort of the the flown economic benefit the economic state. benefit but also like that the people get out of it the joy per people but there's a lot of people interested in like a wide range of classic and race cars and if you can kind of bring more of that crowd together through a more diverse range of of cars then and it's costs 10 percent to run then yeah yeah, yeah well i Obviously. guess uh, you know also with the changing of the the classic car registration rules in sa again and we've already mm. got like some amazing classic car community here anyway it's um mm. yeah it'd be an interesting thing and there's a lot of people but that's not gonna happen but realistically is it no i'd like it to be great i'd like it to i'd like to do yeah. another amf journal that'd be good <laughs> that was fun <laughs> yeah i'd, I'd like, like to have F a drive cars. i want to have a drive oh, amf mm. i've never driven that circuit a lot of people have but Never got to, never got to we do it. We could just do it. We'll just take some bolt cutters, undo the gates onto Victoria Park and go your hardest. Miller <laughs> <laughs> work, Sounds like anyway. to me. Hey, speaking of driving cars. Mm. What have you got? What have I've you been got, driving? Andy's 105 that he shall never get back now. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the story it's behind Andy. this car? I think we've enlighten us. Yeah, but just in case everyone hasn't hasn't. You've got a friend called Andy in London, mm -hmm. who's from Australia, and has a couple the of Goldie. beautiful old cars here, and mentioned to you that he needed a spot to put his one hundred and five, and you yeah. said Luke, and I went yes. <laughs> so basically, the deal is, oh, isn't it? You house it and maintain it. Mm -hmm. You drive it. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. And then Andy doesn't get it back because Luke falls in love with it and then skips skips yeah. town and it might already be registered in South Australia. Or not. Vin swaps Vin ID ID swaps it to a different car and uh, paints it red and <laughs> who knows what happened to it. Tan leather, a la every every poor alpha under the sun. Bring back more baby poo coloured one hundred five alphas. So yes, the other day got a call from Siva Logistics saying, "Luke, your alpha is here." So. I made my way down to Wingfield mm -hmm. to the holding yard, and there is a beautiful grey 105 1750 with a stunning red interior with the wing, the beautiful wing seats that beautiful. are worth an obscene amount of money now. Don't like say those that. seats are ridiculous. There was what there's one guy trying to sell one driver's seat that is literally crummy old foam with completely destroyed cover on it, like completely destroyed. What's three grand for it? It's crazy. Surely anyway, they're very could, make, could just make one. Anyway. Yeah, but still, like, that would cost a lot of money anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, true. it's also all the framework and the mechanism. The mechanism is so beautiful. When you twist it on the back, yeah. the headrest comes out of the wings. Oh, really? Oh. It's, it's pretty stunning, man. Mm. Anyway, so went and picked up this car and picked it up at 8 o'clock in the morning from Wingfield, so I had to trundle back through peak hour traffic, which it did flawlessly. 
I was um, worried about you. Half of me was like, is this thing going to start? Because most of these cars have been coughed on enough transporters for a couple of weeks. have got dead batteries. and all Well, it's, well that's the interesting. You... <laughs> I, was, I was a bit worried about that too, but kind of YOLO'd it because um, mm. it left Melbourne on the 12th and didn't get here till the 27th or something 26 that's a lot of time spent in holding yards and trucks and holding yards and trucks yeah a long time so mm. that that was interesting but yeah rolled up happy as it was it was great and yeah made yeah. its way through take our traffic um went and yeah went to work in it and went and picked up samuel from school which he freaked out when i got there because <laughs> he kind of knew that the car was coming and we we're going to have another car in the garage but didn't mm. know anything really and he's you know yeah. eight year old boy and you know kind of a little bit oblivious to that stuff but i came up Let's and i went to the door and he was like what are you doing dad and i'm like this is what we're driving home because oh, i thought you were gonna like do something to it you just have you were just admiring it and then you were gonna you know you were just showing me something and he's like this is awesome wow, so and everything so that was that was awesome and like today there's no obviously no rear seat belts in the back um yeah. friday is a uh, day off normal work looking after mm -hmm. the boys so have noah and have samuel and samuel's like can we take the gray car the gray alpha <laughs> no noah Sorry, can't mate. go i can throw noah in the back but I might get in trouble <laughs> yeah. i took noah out the block in the back seat and he loved it but yeah 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 so yeah that Very was really cool, cool. um so very much thank you to Andy for allowing mm. me the privilege of being the short-term custodian of that vehicle. I saw that <laughs> wink. I saw that wink. <laughs> wink. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I, uh, it's really interesting actually. So dad's got a 105 to the GDV. That was his for uh, like, I think he was 21 when he bought it. He was the second owner of that vehicle and that was a car that, he helped start the Alpha Club in SA mm. with. Um, by the time I came along as a kid, baby capsules were so big back then, you couldn't really fit something in the backseat of a car like that. And I think the engine was starting to go and the gearbox was crunchy and it was a little bit rusty. And so we just mm. decided to leave it out the back. So my whole growing up was sitting inside a 105 GDV, like pretending to drive the thing. Um, and to this day, I'd never driven a 105 before. So yeah, wow. It was really cool to like, you know, childhood actually, fantasy little Luke and you know, and jump and drive. I actually don't think I've driven a one hundred and five. I've driven a couple of spiders, mm -hmm. which are kind of the same, like very similar, but obviously without a roof. I don't think yeah. I've driven a one hundred and five. Yeah. yeah, so interesting. One hundred and five. Yeah. So anyway, that was yeah. that was really, uh, you know, kind of tingly, warming kind yeah. of feeling experience. Um, yeah, and like yeah, the thing runs beautifully. It's great. Little bit here and there that where where I look at it, and go, oh, I want to you know clean that a little bit better, do that a little bit better, polish the chrome. I message Danny, I'm like, how much cleaning is too much cleaning? <laughs> you know, at least at least the, the paintwork will be buffed and the and the chrome work will be bright again and stuff like that. Um, I'll make sure that stuff's done. Um, but yeah, like yeah, such a beautiful balanced little stunning mm. car to drive. Um, I went and kind of got myself in trouble because it was about 6.30 and Ruth was starting to get dinner ready and Xander's like, drop me past the magazine because he knew that I was out and about. And I'm like, Xander lives 
probably about 15 minutes where I am and the road to hit between my house and his house is a beautiful, gorgeous little windy road. A few cars on it. point out. If he yeah. lived, a, if he lived after a crap drive, you'd have been like, "Nah, sorry, mate." Can't yeah, help pretty you. much. Fact, so he lived after like, a good drive. Yeah. You're like, "Okay." <laughs> the car was filthy after being a few weeks in the in the in the holding yard. So I said to Ruth, "Oh, I've got to put the 33 wagon downstairs after going and getting all the magazines in it." And uh, and then you know, and then I got to shift. I got to shift some cars around. So I put the 105 downstairs, wash that, yeah. and then <laughs> and then I said to Ruth, "Oh, I got to. I'm going to go drop." Drop, uh, drop Xander a magazine. She goes, oh, okay, yeah, don't be too long because dinner's coming. And then out. <laughs> and then I get this message like, oh, that's why you're going. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really cool. So, yeah, too long to Xander's and, and um, went so hard to him, dropped off some mags, which was cool. And we were showing him around the car and I was like, and I was like, I think I smell a bit of fuel. So we opened the front and, Xander had a bit of a look through. He's like, "Yeah, yep. There's some fuel. Some O-rings on the Webers were a bit weepy and yeah. heaps, but enough to be like, mm. so good old, you know, Xander with old classic cars as well, with his Porsche and with his Mercs and stuff. Brings out an O-ring kit, so we've got you know, taking off some bits where the, where the you know for the yeah. Webers and replacing yeah. some of the O-rings in there so the thing doesn't catch on fire because Alpha's on fire is not fun. Anything um, on fire? So yeah, yeah, yeah." It must be something with me and classic cars and fuel because, you know. Yeah, it's that's like the third time. Lately. It's like the yeah. third time. Anyway. But anyway, it stopped the leaking and then, uh, yeah, drove home and had a not yeah, had a good little bit of drive on the way back. You know, get the mm. car, feeling the grip a little bit, feeling the balance. They're just beautifully balanced and, you know, good, great turn in, back gets a little bit light, put power on it, squats and goes out. Like just yeah. amazing. The only thing... The only thing that's a little bit annoying is heel towing is a little bit hard. The accelerator is a little bit too far away. Because right? they're floor mounted, aren't they? They're floor mounted. Floor mounted clutch and accelerator um, top mount.